Hello, this is episode 474 of CRRRRS, Captain Roy's Rusty Rocket Radio Show, the UK geek science fiction fantasy and horror podcast, taped on Monday the 16th of January 2023 at 02.43.12. I had despaired of ever managing to tape this episode. I woke up late and then it's been one interruption after the other, so I'm very tired, I apologise for that. I'll try to maintain my spirit. This episode is taped, as the last one was, again, using the SM7B plugged straight into a Sony PCMM10 recorder because of a squeal from my PC which still hasn't been resolved. It's probably internal noise. There's very little I can do other than get an outboard sound card. By the way, this is to all the mic know-it-alls out there advise people to buy an SM7B. Yes, it's an okay mic. It's a good mic. It's not flawless though, and I've heard a lot of people say that you cannot pop this mic. You can't pop the mic using the big foam windshield that it comes with. That's one of two windshields. There's a smaller one as well. That is not true, as I found out in my last pod. Ah, if it isn't one thing, it's another thing. We're in the pre-show section. The moaning has begun. Let me tell you a bit about myself over the past several days. I have subjected myself to a deliberate lack of telly. I haven't been watching much. Not much television. Not many movies, if any, that I can remember. I watched some TV, I watched some Morse and something else, but nothing worth talking about here. I have been watching YouTube, but not as much as I used to. I've become a little incensed with YouTube. We'll talk about that later. Yeah, not much TV. On the other hand, I have been catching up on my reading... And considering that literature was supposed to be what at least a third of this podcast was about, I think it's about time. My voice does seem to have perked up a bit. Maybe the moaning helped. Let's do the show then, and first on the list of stuff in my show notes, The Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. Again, hardly groundbreaking talking about that in a geek podcast. But I wanted to talk about my re-re-re-re-re-re-re-re-re-reading of the novel, the first novel in the series, which began on Towel Day last year. That's the 25th of January, February, March, April, May. I had to count on my fingers. 2022, 
I did that to celebrate Tal Day and to also kickstart my sadly neglected reading habits. I used to be quite a bookworm. Two days later in May, by pod 442, when we talked about the classic Doctor Who story Sharda on the 27th of May, 2022. I don't know why I have to keep repeating the years. I was already about six chapters in. Then in my controversially received, okay, controversially received by exactly one person and commented on by another on 2022-0606, 6th of June, because in that episode I heavily critiqued what I still think is the abysmal latest adaptation of The Man Who Fell to Earth. I was up to the scene in Chapter 8 of The Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy by then, where Arthur and Ford were rescued from certain asphyxiation in space when they were caught up in the heart of gold's infinite improbability drives field. I reached chapter 20 in the 10th anniversary of this podcast, episode 449, from the 3rd of July, and finished the book not that many days ago, on the 5th of January 2023, at 05.30 in the morning. Conclusions? I'm excessively obsessed with detail. (laughs) No, about the book. It's a short book, but it still took me more than six months to read. In the past, a book that short would have only taken me a few days to read. And by in the past, I mean about ten years ago. What I've found is my reading pace is still fast. It's just that I go on these long breaks between spurts, which sounds terribly wrong. (laughs) Let me rephrase that. I have become the hare, not the tortoise. Which is odd, because for years and years I was told I'm a tortoise, not a hare. And that was meant as a kind of compliment, backhanded compliment, I suppose. Well, things do change, don't they? As to the content of The Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy on rereading, some characters have different names and speak different dialogue, and there are more characters than those I remember from the TV series, which was my first exposure to The Hitchhiker's Guide in 1981. It is also different to the original and stupendous BBC radio series from 1978, which I think is probably the best of the lot. And 
finally, as I have grumpily said to people who listen to this podcast many, many times before, I have found quite a few grammar and punctuation mistakes in the book. Again, that excessive obsession with detail. I find it not so much funny ironic as infuriating what literary agents and publishers would let pass back then compared to the hypocritical bollocks they spout about how perfect they demand everything to be today, considering the crap they publish. Take, for example, Bantam. Bantam are a cult geek publisher, for me at least, because they are responsible for the original Star Trek series novelizations written mostly by James Blish. Bantam have also been in the press recently because they published Spare, the book about you-know-who ghosts written by a chap called J.R. Moringer, who is already hinting that some of that biography is a little, um, shall we say, made up? (laughs) Phantom, what are you doing, man? What are you doing? So, I've read the first novel, I plan to re-delve into the rest of the series in all its formats, because I have them all. Of course I do. I'll do that at some stage, I don't know when, but for now, I'm moving on to something else to read. A secret something else that I'm reading. Although, you could probably twist my arm. Okay. I'm revisiting an old comic book series, and then reading the sequel, and then reviewing that sequel, because I haven't heard any other geek podcasters or bloggers reviewing it. Though, to be honest, I haven't looked very hard either. I'm sure it has been reviewed, but since I'm not telling you what thing I'm reviewing, and this is getting a little annoying for you to listen to, I'll move on to something else. I probably have mentioned this before, but it was an item in a set of Scratch show notes for future episodes of Crash, and that is regarding the Wizard of Id, The King is a Fink. Quite some time ago, I believe I may have mentioned acquiring the 1981 Coronet paperback reprint. The Wizard of Id, The King is a Fink, is the first collected edition of Johnny Hart's famous Wizard of Id newspaper cartoon strip. I bought it back then not to collect or speculate, please don't do that, but to cheer myself up because I love the hilariously overpowered and extremely unreliable wizard and his catastrophically misfiring spells. 
One of my favourite sequences in that book is when his task to end a drought that has afflicted the kingdom. He manages to do this by casting a spell that starts rain. And then the next thing you know, the kingdom is inundated, completely flooded. (laughs) And the king tells him that if he doesn't stop the rain, his head will come off. I just love that he can't do a subtle spell. It's all or nothing with him. And I also really love his good-natured but completely lethal pet dragon Henry. Because, you know, he's a dragon. (laughs) I often think about Henry when I'm out walking and I'm pestered by some dog that's off the leash. And I think to myself, what if I had a Henry? This area would have a lot less dogs. I think that even more when I step in dog's muck. I have now read that first collected volume several times over. It has not aged well in places. The wife jokes are corny and sexist. And there is a distinct lack of diversity. That, unfortunately, hasn't changed much half a century later in most media. But The Wizard of Id never fails to amuse me, and it's something that cheers me up. I've proclaimed at the end of this item, Wizard for Life. So I'll say that again, Wizard for Life. I don't know why my left hand has automatically shaped itself into the horns of rock. Ah, yeah, I do enjoy some of the newspaper cartoon strips. I also like Calvin and Hobbes, and... Oh, Peanuts, yeah. Peanuts was probably the first newspaper cartoon strip that got me into newspaper cartoon strips. Uh, Was it? I'm not sure now. Might have been. Actually, we had the Wizard of Id here. I can't remember in what newspaper, so it might have been that. Might have been Andy Cap. No, Hagar the Horrible. I think it was Hagar the Horrible. Oh, and by the way, we're talking so much about non-screen stuff this week. I should point out that there is no screen content in this episode of Crash. I am only talking about comics and books. Which brings us neatly on to the next thing, and that is Kevin O'Neill. I do so hate doing obituaries, even brief ones like this one, because they remind me of how many of my own family have popped off recently. But Let's do it anyway. Kevin O'Neill died in November. R.I.P. Kevin O'Neill, 1953-2022. He was a comic book artist, best known as the co-creator of Robusters in Star-Lord. 
2000 AD's ABC Warriors and Nemesis the Warlock, Epic's Martial Law, and League of Extraordinary Gentlemen, all of which we have talked about in this pod, possibly very many years ago at this stage. That is the reason for that little excerpt, fair use, of art in the blog post that accompanies this episode of Crash. I really do like Rojaws, my favourite robot. Hammerstein's mate. And also, in that little snippet of art that I posted up, there's a tiny little pink elephant riveted together, and it's very sweet. If you see the blog post, you'll see what I mean. Hmm. It takes me back. Do you remember martial law? The insane lawman? If you thought Judge Dredd was extreme, this guy's completely out to lunch. He is a lawman in the society where superpowers are common, so he has to be extra lethal. And the League of Extraordinary Gentlemen. I haven't kept up with that. I read the first and second and maybe third trade. I got up to the one with Captain Nemo's daughter. I may have speed read the last one in Waterstones. Thanks, Waterstones. Let's move on to the next thing. Gaming. And the fiasco around Dungeons & Dragons open game license. A leak from Hasbro's Wizards of the Coast, the owners of D&D, revealed proposals to change their terms of service for their open gaming license. To summarise, the open gaming license allows tabletop gamers to use the D&D ruleset freely in their own expansions and other games, even commercially and for profit. An example of this change would be that revenues accrued from content using the OGL over 750,000 US dollars would have to surrender 25% in royalties. A quarter in royalties. <laughs> this transparently rent-seeking behavior understandably rubbed the D&D community the wrong way, almost leading to a boycott of D&D, particularly D&D Beyond Digital Creation Tools. They lost a hell of a lot of subscriptions. I think their server crashed. And so Wizards of the Coast panicked and withdrew their plan. I wouldn't get too excited right away, though. The OGL is still changing. This is just Wizards of the Coast getting caught with their pants down. I can't see how Wizards of the Coast are going to claw 
back credibility after this, especially given their parting shot. Quote, You're going to hear people say that they won and we lost because making your voices heard forced us to change our plans. Those people will only be half right. They won, and so did we. (laughs) No, you didn't win. I enclosed the full statement at Wizards of the Ghost as a link to the page, which is already archived at archive.org. If it was me making a paper-based tabletop role-playing game today, I'd think twice about using D&D's OGL. I'd be looking for an alternative. And on that subject, the moment Wizards of the Coast cocked up in such a big way, Cobalt Press, makers of D&D content, jumped in very, very quickly and announced on their own website that they are moving forward with clear-eyed work on a new core fantasy tabletop rule set, available, open, and subscription-free for those who love it. Codename, Project Black Flag. Oh, man. Wizards of the Coast have really screwed up. Or is this more to do with their owners Hasbro? I don't know, but somewhere along the line, someone has massively screwed up in management and decision-making. And then in how they reacted to this whole crisis. Their PR was terrible. I don't know why this is making me feel so chirpy. It shouldn't really, because I do like D&D. Um enjoying this far too much. That's something to bear in mind, though. If you are working on a game that uses the D&D rule set, maybe consider something else. There are several other things that you can use. I think we talked about them in this pod a long time ago. I just can't remember what they are, because I'm not involved in game creation. Although... I have been, and I've said this over the last couple of years, working on a campaign to DM. I haven't really got round to doing much apart from thinking up some of the world and characters, mainly from my own back catalogue of fantasy fragments that I've written and some short stories. Oh, man, I'd like to play out that campaign sometime. I told my old D&D group that I was doing this. I don't know when I'm actually going to be able to do this, because, well, yeah, COVID. Oh, my mouth is so clicky and crackly tonight, and the chair's cracking, and the table's cracking, and my bones are cracking. This is going to be a nightmare to edit. That is it for the main content of Today, tonight, this morning's episode, let's ramble. Let's first talk about a reading area that I have set up in my home to tackle that reading project that I mentioned at the top of the show. 
In the 1970s, I used to stay with a neighbour during the day, Auntie Colleen, while my parents worked. I used to take with me a bag stuffed full of comics. It usually was a plastic carrier bag, and later on it was a present from my uncle, a fluffy bag that is lost somewhere in the garage if it's still intact. Sorry, I'm digressing from the comics to the bag. And then I would sit at their dining table in a nice spot where the daylight streamed in from the window of their modest-sized semi. Then, all day long, I'd escape into an action-packed world of pictures and word balloons. I recreated that area in my bedroom, though the table and chair and our plastic garden furniture to provide myself with a pristine, clean reading area to protect my valuable reading material. I cleaned the velour tablecloth that drapes over my plastic garden table with an ancient Ronco brushomatic style 80s clothes brush knockoff. It is actually better than the original, and I've had it for such a long time. It's brown, and it's got a beige little trigger, and it's that kind of clothes brush that when you apply the trigger, it flips around, and then you can attack the nap of the material with this brush, and it just picks off lint, and it's really great. My only problem is the fixed position of my desk lamp, which blasts photonic death rays straight through my eyes and into my brain. That desk lamp is another sterling design from Ikea. Thanks, Ikea. All these digressions matter very little, as my original reading area had neither lamp nor cloth. What does matter is that I have my comic book reading area away from social media. Well, mostly. I mean, I've got my phone in my pocket, and there is also my little Texan world ban radio. But I'm generally away from stuff. There's no TV there. So it's nice having a reading area, somewhere you feel comfortable to pour over your reading material. Ah. Okay, tangent time. And I am going over old ground here, but I'm going to do it really quickly in a more succinct manner. And this will be interesting, I promise. That house where I spent my days reading comics when I was little was Henry Cooper, the boxer's old house in Bellingham. There's even a plaque over the door. Further tangent time. And this is a passive-aggressive flung poniard at someone who once told me 
that South East London's Bellingham was named after an area in Northumberland. It was not. A form of that name for that specific area in South East London has existed for about a thousand years. Similarity is probably down to parallel etymology. Try saying that without stumbling over your words. <laughs> God. I should go on, because that is too much of a tangent, and that is a lot of passive aggressiveness. I can't believe I actually wrote that in the show notes, and that will be in the blog post, and uh, what have I done? Okay, moving on from reading area to complaints about YouTube. Yeah, another favourite thing. My YouTube playlist songs are vanishing. It has been an uphill battle to stop them disappearing from the few YouTube playlists that I curate. And as I've said many, many times, I'm allowed to say curate because I have actually been a real curator tangenting passively, aggressively again. I'm so sorry. I've got a lot of built-up tension. Anyway, the YouTube playlist... I don't know what the problem is. I have read that it could possibly be something to do with copyright or some technical issue, that YouTube are not being forthcoming in telling us what that is, but it is becoming a right pain in the backside trying to share some hard-to-find music. Like, for example, post-punk, goth, Q. Lazarus's Goodbye Horses from 1988, which has featured in a couple of films after the artist was discovered by Jonathan Dem. Most famously, it was featured in The Silence of the Lambs from 1991. And a slight digression off beast again. R.I.P. Diane Lucky also known as Q. Lazarus, who died in July last year. R.I.P. Diane Lucky, December the 12th, 1960, to July the 19th, 2022. There is a documentary film on its way this year, titled Goodbye Horses, The Many Lives of Q. Lazarus. It is a very interesting story. I read an article about the chap she collaborated with musically, and then what happened to her afterwards. At the end, she was a bus driver. Anyway, that film should be coming out this year. Back to complaining about YouTube. I am thoroughly fed up of the endless ads. I complain about this all the time. They are just getting badder by the day. More intrusive. I noticed that many YouTubers say that they don't roll a lot of mid-roll ads, and then I see a lot of mid-roll ads. I am wondering, though, if this is some problem with the Roku. Maybe Roku has also an advertising deal, and then you've got double 
the amount of adverts, perhaps? I don't know. Man, I really hate ads on YouTube. I'd put up with a pre-roll and post-roll ad, a short one, but then having them in the middle of the content is infuriating, as they're not short ads either. Some YouTube videos will have minutes of ads. Minutes! And then, of course, there's restrictive copyright policies, which made me stop uploading my audio podcast to YouTube, and then the bugginess. I'm not just singling out YouTube, there's also Facebook's crappified UI. I don't know why I forced them to let me back on the platform. Oh my god, it is so hard to navigate nowadays. And there is Twitter's more restrictive than ever, thanks to freedom of speech absolutist Musk. Has he even read 1984? As I said, back in the mid-2000s, I'm sick of social media. If you followed me back then on Facebook, you'll have seen my many miserable and depressed posts. Social media is not good for Roy. Which begs the question, why am I still a user? Well, you try getting traction without social media if you're a podcaster. It's not easy. Next on the agenda. On the agenda. In the show notes. Well, there is nothing on the show notes, apart from the sound of my foot cracking if you heard that. Arthritis. Because we have reached the end, we are now in the after-show section. I am squatted over the mic in a very unhealthy posture. I've been sitting down for this episode, which is terrible for my back. But it's either do something terrible for my back or do something terrible for my feet by standing up. And on that subject... Clown suit. Here's an update about the clown suit. Do you remember that I said, oh, I don't know when now, that I needed to buy items that maybe change my look to more clownish just for my health, and that included a pair of braces? I did buy a pair of braces from a third-party seller on Amazon, though instead of going for psycho clown polka dots, I decided on a tasteful purple. Not so much because I was embarrassed about wearing clown braces, but because the clown braces were the Y braces, you know, where you've got the one clip at the back and the two at the front, and I think I need something a bit more robust. So I went for the two clips at the back and two clips at the front. The postage was so high that I decided to run another trial Amazon Prime membership. I have stuck in my calendar the day when I should and my trial. I read that Amazon have been turning a blind eye to that for years. People using the trial and then signing off and then using the trial and then signing off. 
but it would not surprise me if they ended that practice sometime soon. All those services we've come to rely on in a certain way, and then the tech giants are quite capable of snapping their fingers and changing those terms. So not just the tech giants, but as we saw earlier, large companies like Hasbro. Anyway, the braces. They are efficacious in easing the strain on my poor middle, but I have also found out that although they are only braces, they weigh down on my shoulders and yank my trousers up my bum. Not quite a wedgie or <laughs> even more horrific atomic wedgie, but yeah, I don't know. They're draped over my chair in a mildly suggestive way at the moment, so I don't know what to do about that. Should I be wearing braces? Ugh, it is a bit weird wearing braces in this day and age, but it's for my health. Ah, <laughs> oh. which reminds me, I've got samples to return to the doctor, and you certainly don't want to know about that. It's all to do with the sciatic nerve. Hopefully. That's the best-case outcome. Uh, talks about clown stuff. Ah, yes. I had a video call with relatives fairly recently, and video calls, I'm not a big fan of them. In this case, seeing myself on the phone in the brutal light of day, and with crap phone cameras, I saw myself somewhat unfavourably as an old, okay, mature chap. And after that, I shaved off my isolation beard. Yes, there is hair dye, but I'm allergic to it. <laughs> Great. So, yeah, beard gone. Although, it has been a while since our last geek ramble, and that beard... Yeah, it's coming back. You've probably heard that through the mic. Don't know if it's registering. Huh, okay. In conclusion, Elizabeth Poet and lawyer John Don can get stuffed. If you don't know what I'm talking about, refer back to pods 472 and 473. <laughs> if you can be bothered. Personally, I wouldn't. Finally, in the after show section, I made bread sauce for the first time ever. What day is it? It's Monday, so not Sunday. Saturday. On Saturday. I made my own bread sauce, which isn't a metaphor for something horrendous, but no, I actually literally made bread sauce. I fried onions, nutmeg, cloves, seasoning, then added white breadcrumbs, milk, water, and a tiny tot of Mauritian rum. I made this medieval English sauce with a spin, a Mauritian spin, and it tasted great and went down well with our vegetarian dinner. I couldn't move for hours afterwards. 
I'm probably still recovering from that dinner. It was like a second Christmas dinner, even though it was vegetarian. And why vegetarian? Because it is, or at least it was, and depending on where you are in the world, the Hindu festival of the sun god Surya on Saturday and Sunday. So, happy Makar Sankranti. And until next time, that's it from me. The show that you just tolerated is made by me, a writer, Roy Matur. Matur is spelt M-A-T-H-U-R. You can find more about me or get in touch at RoyMatur.com if you want to help. Please review and rate the show on whatever platform you listen, recommend it to a friend or mortal enemy, or click on the contact or support link on the website. Support link, yes, you can send me a couple of quid to keep this pod going. Thanks for tuning in, everyone. You were listening to Captain Roy's Rusty Rocket Radio Show, the UK geek science fiction, fantasy and horror podcast, episode 474, recorded on Monday, the 16th of January, 2023. And the time at the end of the show is 03.38.46. Thanks for listening, and bye-bye for now. Bye. And make sure you subscribe if you don't already subscribe, especially if you are into vintage media, particularly at the moment classic Doctor Who. And again, bye.